We're going to start out this evening looking at two scriptures. First one is in Exodus 34, verse 29 to 35. And then we're going to read a, a New Testament think of the right word. Description of what we read in the Old Testament. That'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to 18. So it's Exodus 34, verse 29 to 35, and then 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, sorry, verse 7 to 18. So it says this, Exodus 34, it says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the the two tablets of the testimony in his hand, as he came down from the mountain, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Aaron and all the people of Israel saw Moses and behold, the skin of his face shone and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them and Aaron and all the leaders on the congregation returned to him and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the people of Israel came near and he commanded them that all commanded them all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil over his face. Whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would remove the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the people of Israel that what he was commanded, the people of Israel would see that the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face was shining. And Moses would put the veil over his face again until he went in to speak with him. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7 to 8 says this. Now if the ministry of death, referencing what we've just read, now if the ministry of death carved in letters on stone came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit, that's the dispensation we're in, the the new covenant through Jesus Christ, the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory. For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, talking about the old covenant, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more while what is permanent have glory. Verse 12, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened, for to this day when they read the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. In verse 18, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And so Exodus 34, we start out just with this. Moses just always seems to have these most amazing encounters with God. I know previous to that, he would go up the mountain and 
to cry out to God, to show me your presence, show me your glory, and the Lord would pass before him. And here we see again another encounter that Moses has with God, that every time he would go in what we call the tent of meeting. If you remember in Exodus chapter 32, it said Moses would go into the tent of meeting and he would speak with God face to face as a man speaks with his friends. And what we read now in Exodus 34 is that when he came out of his tent and when he came down from the mountain, when his face saw the face of God, his face changed. The countenance of his face changed. That he actually began to shine and reflect the glory and the brightness that was shining on him. And so what we're reading here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is that he's saying, first of all, is that you think that was glorious. That's old covenant. That's the law. That's the the tablets of stone. He says, but we now have the ministry of the Spirit. And so the ministry, the, the glory that Moses has or had, what we have surpasses it in so much more, in so much more power and so much more elaborateness think lack of a better word, in all its ways. But more than that, in verse 18, it says, now we get to do what Moses did. We get to behold his face. We get to have these face-in-face encounters with God. And it says that when we do that in the New Living Translation, it says, we behold, and like, just like Moses, we reflect the glory of God. And so, Every time we come into His presence, it's a face-to-face encounter. That word, if you, if, and I want you to do this, just, don't just take my word from it. The word present, like talking about the presence of God in the Bible, if you do a word study on that, that word presence means face. When Moses said, do not leave us or do not take us up from this place unless your presence goes with us, that word literally means face. And so what was happening even in this moment tonight, when the presence of God comes and fills the room, it's not like a, it's not a mystical, like smoky kind of thing giving us goosebumps. The presence of God is the face of God. It's God Himself. It's the face of God filling the room. And what we do when we, when we lift our face and we, we lift our countenance to Him in worship, we're doing the exact same thing that Moses did. This is what the Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that we too now have a face-to-face encounter with God. And just like Moses, when Moses encountered Him, His face began to shine. When we encounter God, our faces begin to shine. We might not see it in the natural, but it's happening in the spiritual. See, Moses's, Moses's, that, that encounter with Moses was a natural glimpse of a spiritual truth. Like Joshua mentioned this morning, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it says that we are the fragrance of Christ, Right? So we don't, you can't like, you can't literally smell if someone's a Christian. Like in the natural, right? 
But in the spirit, there is a real fragrance. And sometimes we get glimpses into, these, into, this, into this realm. I don't know I've, what I've experienced, I've spoken to lately. Sometimes, sometimes during worship, we smell smoke. Like suddenly like smoke just fills the room. Like no one's lighting a fire in here. What's happening? There's a fragrance of worship that we're smelling. I remember the, there's, a, there's a pastor in, in Durban and, and she told the story. She was preaching one day and she only knows this because the guy told her afterwards. She was preaching in church and the Satanist came into the church with the intent to murder her while she was preaching. And so he got in the doors, got to the back row and he hit the deck. And um, later on he came up and he gave his life to Jesus and he told the story of what had happened was he said he walked into the church and so these demons were telling him, go and kill this lady, go and kill this lady. He says, as he walked into the church, he looked at her face and her face was shining with a light so bright that she couldn't, he couldn't even look in her face. And he was so overwhelmed by the brightness of the light that was coming from her face. I remember when I first got to Durban, I first got saved, I used to work in a video shop and there was this video town. And there was this, there was this guy, he was, like, he was a Satanist guy and he used to come in with his like goth girlfriend and hire horror movies and stuff like that. He could never look at me in the face. Like he would come to the counter and he would, he would literally, he would do this, put the video down, put the money down and walk out like this. Like he couldn't look in the face. And so like I said, we don't see it in the natural. But in the, in the spirit realm, our faces are shining with the glory of God. Every time we, we come into His presence, every time we come and we behold His face, it's what the writer says, it's not just exclusively for Moses. It was a natural glimpse of a spiritual truth. And so right now, as you've worshipped Him, as you've beheld Him, your face is shining. Your face is shining with His glory. You are the shining one. And so the thing is this, what are we supposed to do with these shining faces? I, I know verse 18, there's one thing that says that as we behold His glory, we become transformed by the glory. That's for us. But there's more. You know, the, the shining face isn't to, you know, overcome what's it called, load shedding. You know, Lodge comes like, oh, thank you, boop. And you put your shiny face on and now you can see where you're going. The shining face has a purpose. And so I want to read another person or another encounter of a person who had a, another, blah, 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 never mind, Genesis chapter 32. <laughs> another person who encountered the face of God. Genesis chapter 32, verse 30. This is the story of Jacob. He's just come back um, from wherever he went. I don't know, Paddan Aram, I think it was. And he's coming back with Rachel and Leah and all his children. And he has this encounter where he wrestles with God. And in verse 29, let's read from verse 29. So he's wrestled with this angel or the, the angel of the Lord, which is actually Jesus. He's wrestled with him the whole night and he says this in verse 29. And Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. 
And so Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. And so Jacob too, just like Moses, has a face-to-face encounter with God. And, but there's, a, there's a something that happens, we're gonna look at it now, which gives us more direction as to what the shining face is for. And so when we go into the next chapter, in verse 33, verse, chapter 33, verse 10, what happens now is Jacob is on his way back home, and Esau, his brother, comes to meet him. And so if you know the story of Jacob and Esau, it was a bit sketchy between the two of them. Jacob stole Esau's birthright, and Esau actually wanted to kill him. And that's why Jacob fled to his father-in-law Laban. And so now Jacob's returning home, and he finds out that Esau is coming to meet him. And he thinks Esau is coming to kill him. And so he sends out all these gifts before him to like kind of appease Esau. Eventually, he encounters Esau, says Esau runs up to him and kisses him. But I want us to see this, it's so important, just like talking about this face-to-face encounter that Jacob has just had with God. Verse 10 says, as Jacob said, no, um, I don't know, Jacob said, no, please, if I have found favour in your sight, then accept my present from my hand, for I, have seen your, uh, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God, and you have accepted me. And so Esau sees Jacob and he sees the face of God in him. And so the face of God, the shining face of God isn't just meant for us. The shining face of God is meant to be there for the unbelievers. It's meant to be there for the others. And so we can verify this in the New Testament in Matthew chapter four, verse 16. It says this, let me go there. talking about Jesus, the reflector of the glory of God. It says, chapter four, verse, uh, chapter four, Matthew chapter four, let's read verse 15 and 16. It says, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region, a shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Matthew chapter five, verse 14 to 16. You are the light of of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so the reality is that the world is in darkness. Our city is in darkness. I went to visit someone in prison this, this past week and when, like the way you get in is you, you, you go into the visitor's parking and then there's a bus that transports everyone to, the, to where they need to go. And so we came out and the next load of people came to visit and it was, it was, it was, it broke my heart. Here's a mom Three little girls, they must have been like, what? Three years old, four years old, five years old. Here they are going to visit their father in prison. You get into the bus and there's, there's, there's parents going to visit their children. Husband who went to visit his wife. The world is broken. 
I, I, cannot, I can't even imagine the despair, the hopelessness that comes. Last week, Sunday morning, I was walking around outside and this guy runs across the road. He says, do you have an AA here? He says, I need help. I, I can't stop drinking. He, he, came, he came here, he didn't come here. He went to Tops to see if it was open early Sunday morning. He was already drunk, but he just he said, I can't, I can't stop drinking. And, and I spoke to him, but he wouldn't let me pray for him. He said, can I pray for you? He's like, no, 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 don't. The world is in a place of darkness. The world needs to see the face of God. But this is the problem, is that we do just what Moses did. See, 2 Corinthians chapter three, it says, the veil that stopped us from beholding His face has been removed. And we can see Him freely. We can see Him face to face. We can behold the glory of the Lord, which transforms us. But what we do, we just like Moses. We come to church, we worship Him. We behold Him. Our faces shine. They light up with His glory. And as soon as we step out that door, we put on a veil. Not to stop us from seeing Him, but to stop the world from seeing Him on us. And so we go out into the streets, we go out into our city, we see the brokenness, we see the darkness, but instead of facing it, we turn our face away and we put the veil on and we say, well, that's, someone else's problem. But it's not someone else's problem. We just read it in Matthew chapter four. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. We are that light. And so what we've done like inside church, and, but as the church, and I think what we have to be really careful of is that we've made His glory all about us. And in part, there's, there's two parts to that. In part, that's right. Yes, it's for us. We read it in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18. It transforms us as we behold Him. But that wasn't the original mandate for the glory of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 61, or chapter 60, if you'll go with me. Listen to this. Talking to us, right, the believers. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people's but the Lord will arise upon you. Why? And His glory will be seen upon you. And then it says, and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. 
when we show the face of God, when we let our, the, the, the shining face shine in the midst of darkness, it will attract the broken people. It will attract the broken. That's what the glory is for. That's what the glory of the Lord is. That's what the shining face is about. But like I said, I, I don't know what it is. We're just so self-consumed in our, in our Christianity. It's, we call it the Holy Trinity, me, myself, and I. And that's, you know, and we, we get so self-consumed that everything we do is just for ourselves. And so we, we set up, then we, Lord, you set a table before me in the presence of my enemy, and I, and I come to feast on you this evening. And we feast and we feast and we feast. And we get fat and 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 fat. And we just carry on getting fatter. The table wasn't just meant for you. The table's meant for them. The table's meant for the ones in darkness. You have to understand this. You are the face of God to someone in darkness. You are the face of God to someone in brokenness. Jesus isn't gonna come again. In, like we read there in Matthew chapter four, he's not gonna walk the earth and shine his glory. We are the shining ones now. He's put his glory on us. And, and, and I'll say it again, it's, we behold him, but there's a purpose to our beholding. Let your face shine. And so what does that look like practically? Because it can sound kind of like almost abstract. Well, both Old and New Testament, you remember in Exodus chapter 33, verse 18 to 19, Moses is crying out to God. He says, Lord, show me your glory. And God replies this. He says, I will let all my goodness pass before you. And we just read it now in Matthew chapter 5, 16, when it says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give praise to God. And so first of all, how we can shine, how we, the, 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 the glory of the Lord, how we can be those shining faces is to do the good works of Jesus Christ. Whether that's through a prayer, whether that's through a miracle, whether that's through an encouragement. See, it's called a good work because it's something that you actually do. You, know, you can't do good works sitting at home in your lounge. You can't do good works sitting inside the four corners of the church. You're supposed to come here to be equipped to go out. Come here to be filled to go out. Come here to behold to shine out. But that's what we do. It's Matthew chapter 5. He says, don't hide under, don't put the light under a table. For a lot of Christians, that table is the church. We hide here. No one out there knows I'm a Christian except for the people who come to my church. And God's saying, what's the point? Your face is getting brighter and brighter and brighter, but no one's actually seeing it. You're not shining it in the darkness. And so we need to do the works of Jesus. 
Every time you reach out to the broken, every time you, you reach out to the lost, they see the face of God. You are the face of God to the broken. They're not gonna come here. They're not gonna raise their hands in worship. They're not gonna behold Him face to face. You are His face. John chapter one, verse 14, talking about Jesus now, reflecting the glory of God. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. Then he says, it gives a description of what that glory looks like. It says, full of grace and truth. And so John describes the manifestation of the glory, the light that Jesus shone. He describes it as this, he describes it as grace and he describes it as truth. And so when we look at grace, grace is, in the definition of grace is kindness. It's loving kindness. It's, it's, it's goodwill. It's showing honour to the lowly. It's being generous to the poor. It's having a heart for the broken. Just like Jesus would leave His throne, right? Leave this place of absolute splendour. Absolute majesty. I mean, you, you read Revelations, like his throne is made up of jewels. The streets are made of gold. He would leave that place of honour to come down to us, to man. That's grace. And so when we reflect, or when we should reflect the glory of God, is like, how do we, how do we interact with the world? Are we, too, are we like a Pharisee? When the broken come, when the druggie comes, when the homeless person comes, do we like, this guy smells. That's not what the Father's looking for. He's looking for us to extend grace. Challenging question. When was the last time you hugged a homeless person? Oh, Their encounter with the face of God could change their lives forever. It's crazy. You, you carry the glory of God. One encounter with you can change the trajectory of someone's life for eternity. But knowing that, we still don't do it. We still choose to take the shining face and look away from darkness. And we just keep on looking at the light. God's saying, turn the light of your face into the darkness. What about truth? Truth is the, it's the sharing of the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Jesus came full of grace and truth. And so, when I, when I share the gospel, when I, when I speak the words of Christ, when I speak the words of life, they carry light. They carry life. They carry the glory of God. They come from the very mouth of God Himself. And so what's important about shining is what we see here. If we go up in John chapter 1, verse 4 to 5, 
talking again about Jesus, says, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and listen to this, and the darkness cannot overcome it. When you shine your light, the darkness in men that binds them, the addictions, the imprisonments of Satan cannot overcome the light of your face. It cannot, it cannot stand up against it. The glory that you carry can set the addict free in one moment. But again, I said, we, we, we don't dare go down to the North Beach or South Beach or the inner city. We go to church and we run home quickly to our houses. But yet there's our own city, guys. The prostitutes, the, the broken, the, the orphans, the children being thrown away in rubbish bags and dumped in, in the middle of the street. But yet we are so content just to behold and just to worship. And so the Father is challenging us. You know, let us not be, let us not be that church. Let us not be found guilty of just consuming and consuming and consuming and never giving back, never honoring the Father with what He's given us. And so like I said, we, we like Moses. We see the darkness, but we put a veil over us so that they can't see us. And so we look at two things real quick before we close and what that veil looks like. In Exodus 34, verse 30, it says, Moses would put a veil over his face because the people were afraid. But we put a veil over our face because we're afraid. We're afraid to step out. We're afraid of people's responses. We're afraid of what they'll think of us. We're afraid of what might not happen if I pray for them. And then the enemy comes and he role plays all these things in our minds of what could go wrong. You know, we always say like, someone says, what if I pray and nothing happens? Well, what if you pray and something does happen? You have to realise what you carry. You carry the fullness of His glory. Even more, what the two countries, even more than what Moses carried. You carry the fullness of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Another veil that we put on is that we're ashamed of the gospel. That word ashamed means to be reluctant to do something through fear of embarrassment or humiliation. I say it means to be reluctant to do something through fear of embarrassment or humiliation. We're ashamed to be known as a Christian. And so like I said, we come here, everybody here knows we're a Christian, but as soon as I exit that door, I put the veil on quickly. 
so that when I go back to school, when I go back to my workplace, they don't even know because I'm ashamed. I'm, I'm too, I don't wanna be out, you know? I don't wanna be unpopular. I'm ashamed to lose my dignity before people to represent Christ. I'm ashamed to say, well, can I pray for you? Or in the restaurant to, to hold hands and to open up in prayer before your meal. We're too ashamed of the gospel. And it's a veil that we put out over us. And just imagine that, even that, just praying in a restaurant before your meal. What's happening in that moment? Shining faces. The waiters see it. The, the people around you see it. And what happens? Isaiah 60 starts to happen. And they come to the brightness of your rising. Suddenly the, the waiter comes at the end of the meal. Ah, sorry, I saw you guys were praying earlier. My mom, she's going to hospital. Please, can you pray for her? This is how it works. But we're so ashamed. We, we hide our faces. We hide the glory that we carry. When the world out there, they, they, they're searching. They're searching for answers and, and they're not finding it in the Christians. And so they're going into like new age mysticism and all these weird things and you know the yin yang and what, what, what. They're searching for all these things. But the answer's right in front of them. You. God Himself is standing before them. But they can't see him because you put a veil over your face. A veil of fear, a veil of being ashamed. Or oh, what will they think of me if I tell them about Jesus? That's not politically correct. And what happens? They go, they keep on floundering around in the darkness, searching, 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 searching. But your light is the way forward. I want to read a scripture and it's, it's almost quite intense. But that's what we do in this church. We read intense scriptures. <laughs> Jesus says this, He said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Forever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Listen to this. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him the Son of Man be ashamed when He comes in His glory and in His honour. I don't know why we hold on to this thing called dignity so much. The, 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 the concern about what others will think about us. And so what Jesus is, is, is emphasising in this passage of scriptures: become a fool for Him. Lose your life for him. That we, we, like, we hold on to this thing, especially the young guys, like we hold on to popularity. 
You know, we're like, if I say this, I wanna, I'm going to go out the inner circle. I'm not going to be cool anymore. And he's, what he's saying is like, you're holding on to this thing that you think is life. But one day when you go to eternity, you're going to find that it's just like, it just falls like sand through your fingers. He said, let go of it. Become a fool. Let go of your inhibitions. Who cares what they, if they think you the, and I was like it. Yo, I remember before I was saved, there was this one guy, every time we would go out like, uh, to go drink and stuff like that, there was this one guy every, every time, yeah, you guys must believe in Jesus Christ. Like, Dude, you're an idiot. Everyone used to tell him, you're crazy, you're stupid. And I literally thought like, no, I like this guy's got a mental problem. There's something wrong with him. I like, seriously thought that. But now I understand it. He let go of his dignity. And he was, he was our age, unashamed of the gospel of Christ Jesus. What's he doing in that moment? He's shining his face in the darkness. And how great the darkness was. And here I am today. One sows, one waters. God gives the increase. And so what Jesus is saying is that just let go of your inhibitions. Let go of your dignity. Doesn't, who cares what the world thinks about you? Who cares what your friends at school think about you? Who cares what they think at your work or university? Uh, our concern should be what the Father thinks about me. That's what drives me. That's what I live for, to please Him, not to please man. So like I said, when God wants us to shine our faces out there, one person's encounter with God through you can change their lives forever. Will you sacrifice your dignity? Will you sacrifice your fear to do this? Or will you just be, see, remember the two countries, it's behold and reflect. There's two parts. And we get to choose. Do I want the fullness of that? Or am I just the one who beholds? Or do I become the one who beholds and reflects? And so here's the thing in the kingdom. When you use well what you're given, he adds more. And so if your desire is to behold him more, if your desire is to behold his glory more, the secret is in the reflecting. It's not in more beholding because you'll hit the roof the whole time. You'll hit the same cap every single time because he's waiting for you to step out. And so I behold and I reflect and when I come back to behold, there's a greater measure because I'm using well what he's giving. I'm using it for its intended purpose. And so this is the key for those who are thirsty and who are hungry, is shine your light for men to see. And so I wanna encourage you again, guys, don't turn your face away from darkness. And we all do it. Uh, this isn't convenient for me right now. The rugby's coming on just now. <laughs> Seriously. 
I'm too hungry. And this guy hasn't eaten in like five days. I'm famished. I need to go get a burger. And we turn our face away from darkness. Don't turn your face. Turn your face toward the darkness and let them see the glory of the Lord on you. Let them see the light of His face on you. Amen. So I charge you with that, guys. Please don't let us, one day we go to heaven and and God says, you're just a church that's just ate and ate and ate but never did anything for me. I would be very, oh. That would be very scary. And it's, it's, it's all of us, every single one of us, we have this responsibility to shine your face in the darkness. Amen.